theyeshiva.net. Today's class is dedicated in the loving, in the loving memory of Yenta Bas Haravreb Menachem Mendel. Her father's last name was Eichenstein, and then she married Haravreb Akiva Zilberberg, and she passed away on the second day of Shvat, five seven seven eight. A sole survivor from the Auschwitz Birkenau death camps, where she lost her entire family. She went on to build a life and a family saturated with faith, with kindness, with generosity, and with dedication. This class is dedicated by her dear son, our beloved friend, Rabbi Nachem Mendel Zilberberg Shlita and family. For her entire mishpacha, b'chol hametzdarech b'toiv, hanira v'hanigla amen, kenyihi ratzen. We're going to learn today. A um, we're going to learn today two pieces from the Medrash Rabbah, from the Medrash on Parshas Boy, and the commentary of the Svasamas. I got a request since yesterday. Hey Shvat was the yard site of the Svasamas. Rabbi Yehuda Ari Leib Alter, the second Rebbe of Ger, the grandson of the first Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzhak Meir, Rabbi Chameir, Alter the Chidusha Harim, and his grandson, the Svasemes, passed away. Hei Shvat Tafrir Samachin, 1905. And in Ger, Ger Hasidim, commemorate his yard site each year by learning the Svasemes. So I got a request from Ger, my dear friends, some Ger Hasidim, to uh, learn today a piece of the Svasemes on Parshas Bait which we have actually done recently, a few times, and uh, people uh, apparently uh, really appreciate it, so that's what we're going to do today as well. You have to download your source sheets, so go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net, theyeshiva.net. You'll see on the top there's the video, Women's Tuesday Class. If you click on it, you will see on the top of the video an icon download, and there you can open up the source sheets. You can download the source sheets, or it says view source sheets, and they will come up on the screen as you wish. Okay, let's begin. I chose here two pieces of the Svasemas. I hope to cover them both. Uh, I was doubtful if I should choose two or one, but I love the second one so much that I couldn't resist my uh, temptation so even though really the first one is a self-contained class, but I thought we'll do the first one a little faster, and then we'll get to the second one, which is a little more intricate and longer and detailed. But I also didn't want to skip the first one. It's too good. So uh, let's get into it, okay? If you didn't download your source sheets, please do that. Please do that now. The first piece, as you see, is from the Svas MS, Tofresh Lamed Aleph. Tavrish Lamed Aleph means in the in the secular calendar that would be eighteen seventy one. That's just a few years after his grandfather passed away, which means he was uh, quite a young man and a new rebbe. 
Okay, it's the last piece of Tafrish Lamed Aleph. Hachoideh Lechem. Let's give a little context. Again, I'm going to do this piece a little faster than usual because I want to get to the second piece. Parsha's boy discusses the last three plagues. Uh, the plague of locust and the plague of darkness and the death of the male firstborn of the Egyptians, which ultimately broke Parai's stubbornness and he expelled the Hebrews from bondage from Egyptian slavery. Right there in the middle of that whole conversation, something strange happens. If we'll open up a chumash, the sequence is a little strange. Now again, people who learn chumash every year, you just take it for granted, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be. But really, we shouldn't take these things for granted. And that is the structure, how a parsha is built. So Moshe is negotiating with Parai. He's asking him to let the people go. And Parai ultimately gets upset. And for the first time, he warns him that if he comes back to see him, he's going to kill him. It's strange that for all the plagues previously, despite the tremendous destruction that Moshe brought upon Egypt, Parai never tried to kill him. There's a certain element of respect. It's obvious on both sides. There's a certain element of uh, civility, I would say, respect. Rashi says that Hashem actually told Moshe that he should show respect to the king. He should show respect to Parah. And Parah respects Moshe. But finally, Parah is like, if you come back, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. And Moshe says, granted, I I will not come back again. And Hashem tells Moshe there's going to be one more plague following which he's going to expel you. In the meantime, I wanted the Jewish people should borrow from their friends, from their Egyptian colleagues, vessels of silver, vessels of gold. And the grace of the nation is in the eyes of the Egyptians. Moshe's covered, Moshe's honor, it says. Moshe's name is great among the Egyptians, among the servants of Parai, and among the entire Egyptian nation. That's when Hashem tells Moshe, this is right before he leaves Parai for the last time, that midnight, which we call midnight of the Seder, the night of Pesach, I'm going to come out and in a, in a very extensive uh, epidemic or plague, each one of the Egyptian male firstborns will die. And that's when Pari is going to beg you to get out of his country at once. Now, suddenly, Exodus, this is the end of Exodus chapter 11, Suddenly, Exodus chapter 12 takes a very uh, very serious turn, a very winding turn, if you want. This is Shmoy's, the beginning of Perikid Beis. Hashem starts speaking to Moshe and Aaron in the land of Egypt. And he says something that seems completely irrelevant. Which literally means this month is the head of the months. It's the first one of the months of the year. Why is that relevant here? Suddenly, we start talking about the Jewish calendar. <laughs> We're in the midst of this drama. Moshe is confronting Pari. Pari is warning Moshe, I'm going to kill you. God says, going to be one more plague and you guys are out of here. Wait, wait. We've got to talk about the calendar. <laughs> it's very nice to talk about the calendar, but everything has its time and its space. And Rashi actually explains that when you read the Pasuk well, the Pasuk is actually telling you two things. It says, this month is the head of all the months. It's the first one of the months of the year. It seems redundant. So Rashi explains how Chaydeh Shazah actually is referring to the new moon. 
This was the first day of the month of Nisan, and Hashem showed Moshe the new moon. This new moon that was just born. After the moon disappears at the end of the month, and the moon is reborn, so to speak, it reappears. After the moilat, after its, its birth, when there is that, uh, the juncture between the sun and the moon and the earth, between the moon and the sun and the earth, so we can't see the moon, and then the moon reappears, it's called Rish Chaydash. so he points to the new moon and he says, this, when you see this new moon, that's when you have to establish that day as the new month in the continuous cycle of months that consist of 29 or 30 days. When you see this chaydush, when you see this chidush, this newness, that means it's the head of the month. It's Rosh chaydush, the first day of the month. Then he adds, and this month shall be the first month of the year. The calendar, the first month, traditionally begins with Nisan, at least in various calculations, although sometimes the first month is Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah. That's a separate discussion. And then, God changes the subject again and he says on the 10th day of this month I want every Jew, every Jewish family to take a sheep or a goat. There's going to be what's called the carbon Pesach, the Passover offering and the whole story about the first Seder that would be conducted the first night of Pesach, the night before they would leave the country. Granted, but this opening statement is extremely, apparently, ostensibly, completely out of place. It doesn't belong here. It's a very interesting topic. We're learning about the laws of the new moon, and we're talking about the calendar of the Jewish people. Interesting, but it doesn't, really does not belong. Says the Sfasamus, Why is this the opening statement that God tells Moshe and Aaron right in the midst of the drama of getting out of Egypt? And this is actually the first statement he speaks to them outside of the plagues and, and, and dealing with Parah. And in fact, this is the first mitzvah that the Jewish people receive as a nation. The mitzvah of the new month, Rosh Chaydesh. Why is that the first mitzvah? If you had to think about it, the creator of the world is liberating his people. And the first mitzvah he wants to give them, what should be the first mitzvah? This is it. Somehow this is deeply connected to the redemption from Egypt. Why? Says the Sfasemes, Ki begolos nechsar the definition of exile, this is beautiful words, definition of exile is there is, what's missing is a sense of newness. There's nothing new. As we have already written, earlier in Parsha Shmois, same year, Tafri Shlam 1871. On the Pasuk, it says in the beginning of Shmois, Vayakam Melech Chadosh al Mitzrayim. A new king arose over Egypt, a king who did not know Yosef, and he is the one who began to oppress and subjugate the Jewish people. And we focus there on the title, on the interesting term of Chumash, Melech Chadosh, a new king. And over there he explained at length, and it's not the, it's not the discussion of our class, but what happens there is that the Chidush of the Jewish people the natural creative energy that is always renewing itself and replenishing itself was somewhat, not somewhat, was abducted and hijacked by Parai. He is the one who stole the Koyach HaChidush, or B'Sha'as HaGu'ula, during redemption. What does redemption mean? What does Gu'ula mean? 
We say, well, they left Egypt. They were free. They were not slaves. They can decide what they want. He says, that's not what Gula means. That may be the geographical definition. You know what Gula means? Gula means when it becomes clear that everything is divine energy. Then you're not a slave. When it becomes clear that everything is the chiyus of Hashem, that's what the definition of Gula means. That's when you're liberated from your own external trappings, from your own confinements, from your own addictions, from your own habits, when you become aligned with your true posture, which is infinite, when you reveal, when it becomes clear that everything is God's divine energy, that's Geula. He says, From this always comes the follow-up experience of newness. Why? Because divine energy is always new. Like we say in davening every day, This is right before Kriyashma, right? The end of the first blessing. He who renews in his goodness, he renews every day, continuously the work of creation. And many add, May you bring forth a new light over Tzion. I'm adding that even though I think the Geri Rebbes used to daven in the Nusach of the Balatanya and he doesn't, he doesn't put an Urchadosh al entire because he says we're talking about Yoytzer Hamma'iris, we're talking about the light of the, of the past. What do we see from here? If you're in touch with the divine energy flowing through the world, it's always new. Every day it's new. So you'll say, oh, every day it's new, but that means 24 hours, it remains the same. He says, Upirish tamid This is very easy to miss this point. He's so brief. It should have said, Every day he renews the work of creation. What's the tamid? So he says, constantly every day. Not every day again and again. And what do I mean every day? Throughout the whole day. In other words, every moment. Every millisecond. I'm using the word millisecond. Every moment of creation is new. The divine energy never gets stale. It never gets old. We have this in halacha. In halacha we have, when something is 24 hours old, a pot, Right, the taste absorbed in a pot. If it's 24 hours old, the halachic definition is It exudes a taste, it exudes a flavor. If I cook now something in the pot, let's say you cook something deli in a pot, you cook chicken in a pot, and now you cook, I don't know, pasta with cheese in the same pot, right? So you have a problem because the, the, the flavor of the meat comes out of the pot, it was absorbed in the pot, and now it goes into the, to the milchiks. So, so you have now issues, it's a question. But the halacha distinguishes between a pot that was used within the last 24 hours or a pot that was used before the last 24 hours. It's called nice and tam gum. It exudes a flavor, but it's a blemished flavor. It's stale, it's old. It doesn't enhance the new dish because it's too old. What every halacha in 
in the concrete elements of Jewish law stems from a spiritual energy, if it's old, if it's more than 24 hours old, if it's before the Bechal, if it's before the new day, it's already, it's already stale. How do you know you're living with God? You're always living with newness. People speak about the power of now, the power of now. To live with Hashem means to live in the present moment. Why? Why can't I live in the past? Why can't I live in the future? The answer is because the divine energy that is now flowing through your body, through your organism, through the cosmos is new. So if I'm living with yesterday or with a week ago or with a year ago or with a decade ago or some of us with centuries ago, intergenerational trauma, if you know what I'm talking about, I'm living with an energy that's gone. In other words, I'm living in a dead world. I'm living in a dead life. I'm living in a dead zone. If you're in tune with the divine flow, you're always living in the present moment. I could learn from the past. I should learn from the past. I, sh- I could prepare for the future. We prepare for the future. The Gemara says, we should talk about Shabbos, Yechel, Shabbos. prepare before Shabbos for Shabbos. Of course I prepare for the future. Ezel Chachem, a wise person, our sages tell us, sees what's going to be born, sees the future. But I live in the present. If I have to do something to fix the past, I'll do something to fix the past. I may have to say I'm sorry. I have to make amends. I may have to pay back a debt. I may have to apologize. I may learn about a mistake I made. But when the, where do I live? I live in the present. Why? Because I'm a chadesh betuvoy bechol yoyim. Tomid If you're in tuned with the divine flow of life, it's always about now. It's always about being fully present to what is happening right now. Somebody who forgets this, it's very easy to forget this. And this is what anxiety is, stress, of course, it's caused often by scars and wounds, of course, serious trauma where I'm sometimes locked up in the past. I can't even extricate myself. I am locked up in an old story and I'm just living out that story. So he uses the word, somebody who forgets this and he is submerged within the confines of what nature tells him. Ksiv, about this person, the Pasuk says in Kehelas, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, Kehelas, Aleph, Perektas, Ein kol chadash tachas hashemash. If you're living under the sun, there's no news. Same old, same old, same news. Somebody once told me that uh, many years ago I was in yeshiva. So I was having an open conversation with one of the, the principals there who was a very open-minded person. So I asked him if he reads any of the, of the if he, you know, what he was reading and this. So he told me that I used to have, <laughs> he used to have a subscription to a particular magazine. And then he canceled his subscription. I said, Why? He says, because after a while I realized that every week they were writing exactly the same thing. It's just that the letters were reconfigured. It was exactly the same thing. There was no chiddish. I didn't feel creativity. Nobody was challenging themselves. Nobody was going out of their trajectory, out of their predictable comfort zones. There was no chiddish. If you live under the sun, if you live within a world of nature, of course you live in the past. There's nothing new, because I'm stuck. 
But if I align nature with the divine flow going through nature, I'm never stuck. Every moment is new because God is not stuck. Infinity is always renewing itself. You say, why doesn't God get bored? Why is the energy not stale? That's the definition of the divine. The definition of the divine is that it's infinite. And therefore, every moment there's a new hischachos, there's a new message, there's a new lifeline, there's a new heartbeat, there's a new rhythm, there's a new, uh, there's a new uh, symphony, there's a new song. It's a beautiful story of the Balatanya. Beautiful, such a beautiful story. Two stories, actually. He was once sitting in his room, and uh, and it was uh, he he was sitting in his room, but then he had to go out for a little bit. When he came back, he asked the person who was there, somebody was visiting him, if he uh, if he did anything on his desk on his table. So he said, "Yeah, he changed the clock." <clears throat> I don't know what type of clock it was. Then they had the sundials. I'm not. I have to remember the details. I saw it many years ago. So he said, "Why? Why did you change it?" So he said that he he was a wealthy man. He managed to purchase the most accurate, accurate uh, clock at the time to be able to tell time. And he saw that the Alter Rebbe's time that his clock was wrong. So the Rebbe looked at him, and he said, "It says in Kabbalah that every hour there's another tziruf of Shem Havaya." that vibrates through the universe, which means Hashem's name, Yud, Hey, and Vav, and Hey is four letters, but it can be configured, it can be configured in many different ways, right? It can be written Yud, and Hey, and Vav, and Hey, or Hey, and Yud, and Vav, and Hey, or Vav, and Yud, and, you know, it could be, so every hour of the 12 hours of the day, and then you have the 12 hours of the night, there's a different configuration of, of the Hashem's name, which creates a different energy, and on the top of the hour, it changes. It goes through the changing of the spiritual guards, which he discusses also in chapter in Tanya chapter 41, coincidentally. So he says that the clock here in this room is based on those configurations. It's more accurate than any other clock. It happens to be when he was in prison, he was in a dark cell in Petersburg. And one of the ways they would crush prisoners, of course, there's no windows and you don't know the difference between day and night, so you lose sense of time, so you don't even have the control of knowing what time it is. People don't realize that knowing what time it is gives you a certain sense of autonomy and control in life, even if you have nothing else. They wanted to take that away from you too. You become a complete slave. And then somebody came in, a minister came in, and he said, good morning, and in Russian I said, he said, good morning or good evening. The person said, how do you know what time it is? So he said, every hour there's another tziruf, another, another unique flow of divine energy. So you have the energy of a day, 24 hours. If it's energy from before that, it's already stale. <laughs> but within the 24 hours, you have every hour, and then you have tamit every moment. That's what the Baal Shem Tev taught, discussed in Tanya, Shara, Yichud, Vemun, Perik, Aleph, based on Medrash Tilam on the Pasuk, Lo'olam Hashem Dvarchanitzav Bashamayim. Creation happens every moment. Says the Svasem, Avol Mishinid, Bagbepnimi, Yizchiyas Hashem, Yizbarach, Yashbay Tamad, Yizchachos. When somebody is deeply connected to the inner life of Hashem in everything, there is always newness. There is always Yizchachos. There's a beautiful word from the Slonim Rebbe. I think it's Rabbi Avram Slonim. 
he said, we say in the Haggadah, and it's very, now Now we can understand why we say it in the Haggadah. In fact, it's the beginning, it's the opening section of the Haggadah. After V'yishamda mitchila oivdei avoyde zara hoyu aviseinu. V'achshav kervano amakam laveidase. Literally, in the beginning, in the past, our forefathers were idol worshippers. But now, God brought us close to his service. So the Islam has said, there is a homiletical interpretation. There are two philosophies in life. There is somebody who lives with the philosophy of mitchila. They're living in the past. What used to be, that's what defines the present. He says, that's That is a philosophy of life that is based on idolatry. When you're living with the now, now you know that you're living in the presence, in the intimate presence of Hashem. What does it mean? How do I know that I'm living a life aligned with God? I'm new. Every day is new. Every hour is new. Every moment is new. There's a schachos. There's a constant flow of creativity. Even if I'm doing what I'm, what I'm doing today, what I did yesterday. <laughs> but if you're in touch with the divine in it, there's always a schachos. There's always a newness. You're never bored. It's never the same old. It's never repetitive. I, Kohela said, Enkel Chadrish, there's nothing new. Tachas Hashemesh. Under the sun, there's nothing new. If I live in that world of nature, then everything is just what happened yesterday happens today. And what happens today is a consequence of what happened yesterday, and it becomes the cause of what happened tomorrow. In many ways, in science, this is the difference between Newtonian physics and the new physics. Einsteinian physics, and especially the new physics of quantum, quantum theory. Newtonian physics argued that if I can really know all of the facts of science today, all the variables and all the facts, then I can theoretically predict exactly what the world is going to look like because everything is just a continuous cycle that is born from previous occurrences and events. And the same would be also with psychology. If I could know everything about the patterns of your brain, I could say exactly what you're going to be doing over the next 80 years without a single error. Obviously, I don't have all the information. We don't have all the data, but that's just a problem. It's just a problem. I don't have the data. But the new physics knows that's not the, completely not the case. It's a very different world. This is not a static, predictable world, especially in quantum physics. I'm just showing you how this idea is reflected also in the sciences of, of today, physics and psychology, etc. So now we come back to this point. Under the sun, there's no chiddush. There's no chiddush. That's what it means. I'm in galus. I'm in exile. In exile means I'm just repeating a story. Everything that I see triggers an old story and my responses are predictable. There's nothing new in my life. Somebody who lives in a state of gu'ula, life is always new. I'm never responding based on old stories, old traumas, old wounds. I'm in touch with the divine infinite flow that's flowing through me right now. And therefore, every moment is an opportunity to recreate my life just like God recreates the world right now. Why am I not a part of that process? God is telling me, hello, Rabbi Waiwai, I'm trying to recreate you. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm busy with yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, I'm trying to, I have, a new, I have a new life for you, I have a new message. No, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready, I'm obsessed, I'm still obsessed, I'm still, I'm still holding on to something. God says it doesn't exist anymore. 
that doesn't exist anymore. No, it does exist. In other words, I'm the only one, we are the only creatures who with our consciousness can refuse to become part of the hischachas, part of the new, part of the newness. Now we'll understand why the opening words before the redemption of Egypt is this message. He's not talking about a calendar. He's not only talking about the moon. He's talking about the definition of Geula. You were slaves. We are now trying to get out of slavery. What's the process? This is a gift that's given to you. This chaydesh, this reality of newness, of living life in the moment, the power of now to live in the now, this is not just an abstract gift that belongs to certain individuals who may be living in a different place. Lachem, this is given to you. Every single person, every single Jewish soul, he says, can arouse, can open himself or herself up to this newness. How? He says, when I can clear up my heart and realize that I am rooted in infinity and that everything is a divine flow. And therefore, I never get stuck in attaching old stories to my present moment. This is the gift of Geula. And there is, there is a sense here that even if I feel stuck right now, I feel stuck. I know that the next moment is a brand new moment, with me, which means it has new possibilities, new potentials, new energies. So I'm not stuck. Opening myself up to Hashem means opening myself up to infinite possibilities. Again, I can't resist quoting quantum physics that you could never predict and define the state of any given subatomic particle. All you can speak about is probabilities. And your observation is ultimately what defines and what causes it to become fixed in one particular model which is the power of my mind, my conception, my consciousness, which affects reality so deeply. So sometimes I feel stuck. I don't know what to do, and I want to get into a place of sadness and of depression and of anxiety. And what's the problem? The problem is I'm going, I'm going from Geul, I'm going into Galus. I'm giving over my Kayach HaChidosh to Para. He says, don't, don't do that. Don't go under the sun. Always remember that your posture begins here on earth, but it goes up above the sun. The famous Zayar says, under the sun there's nothing new. Le'elam and Shimsha, above the sun, everything is new. It doesn't only mean the physical sun below and above. It means the concept under the sun means in the world that's predicted by external, superficial, natural perceptions, or the world in which you're aligned, you, you align yourself with your own source, you see yourself not just as a small victim, you see yourself as part of a ge'ula consciousness. Ha'chaydesh hazeh lachem. V'zeh ha'hefresh b'n Shabbos l'rish chaydesh. 
And this is the profound difference between the two special days. In the Jewish calendar, on an ongoing basis, we have every, every week Shabbos, and we have every month Rishchidosh. What's the difference between the two? Shabbos, as you know, happens once in seven days, but nothing astronomically changes on Shabbos. It's not like after six days something happens. In fact, till today we wonder how did Shabbos come into the world? Rosh Chodesh is a result of an astronomical fact. The moon completes its orbit after 29 and a half days. That's a fact. Just like our year is a fact. The solar orbit is approximately 365 days and change. 365 days and change. These are astronomical facts. Shabbos is rooted in the beginning of Bereshis to the whole system of creation. So there is the Shabbos, which is a day of rest and a day of rejuvenation. It's a day of menucha. It's a day to rejuvenate. People rest in order to rejuvenate. Rosh means the new day of the month. What's the difference between the two? Says the Svasemes, Shabbos me'ena ilam haba. Shabbos, the Gemara tells us in Brachas Nun Zayin, is a foretaste of the future world. Messianic world, we say in the benching of Shabbos. In the Zmiris, in the songs of Shabbos, we speak about it being haba, a foretaste of the world to come. Furthermore, Shabbos is pre-established. Nobody can change Shabbos. Unlike Rishchidosh. There's a major difference in Shabbos and Rishchidosh. Shabbos, Chazal tell us in Brachas and Beit Sepsachim, Mekatshevekaime. Shabbos is prefixed. Every week Shabbos comes. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it. Whether it's winter or summer, whether it's a long Friday or a short Friday. And by the way, you're never ready, right? You ever realized? If Shabbos is 4 o'clock, certainly you're not ready. And if Shabbos is 8 o'clock, who's ready? <laughs> Well, some people are ready, I know. Just in humor, some people are never ready. Not the winter and not the summer. There's always something to do before Shabbos. But Shabbos comes. It comes. And nobody can manipulate it. Shabbos continues. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Rishchidosh is very different. Rishchidosh traditionally was established by the Jewish court, by the Sanhedrin. And Rishchidosh could vary. Rishchidosh could be one day or another day. Rishchidosh could be the 30th day of the previous month. Or it could be the 31st day of the previous month. Even till today when we use already a fixed calendar, Rosh Chodesh is sometimes one day, sometimes it's two days. Rosh Chodesh Shvat was one day, last Thursday. But Rosh Chodesh could be two days or it could be one day. It, traditionally, beginning already with Moshe and Aaron, witnesses would see the new moon. They would come to testify in the court. Now they could see the new moon the night after 29 and then Rosh Chodesh would be day 30. But they may not see the moon that night. Maybe they don't see it or the moon didn't show up because of the various astronomical calculations. And then Rishchidosh was a day later. And who decided when Rishchidosh was? This was decided by the Sanhedrin, by the Jewish court. They would have to come together and investigate and go through all the astronomical calculations. Those who are learning Rambam now, Hilchis Kiddush HaChidosh, got a little bit of a taste what the Sanhedrin had to do. This was quite complex and intricate. And then they investigated the witnesses and they said, Makudosh, Makudosh, this day is holy. Shabbos is not dependent on anybody's initiative. Shabbos is fixed from heaven. Rishchidosh is created by the Jewish courts. And because it's created by the Jewish courts, it has tremendous consequences. Because when does Pesach begin? If Rishchidosh is day 30, Pesach begins a day earlier. If Rishchidosh is day 31, Pesach begins a day later. Which means the prohibition against eating chametz is a day later. 
the obligation to have a seder happens a day later. So there are very serious consequences. And that's why you'll notice something very interesting. The Kiddush of Shabbos ends Baruch HaTashem Mekadesh HaShabbos. The Kiddush of the holidays ends Baruch HaTashem Mekadesh Yisrael V'Hazmanim. Why don't we say on Shabbos Mekadesh Yisrael? On Shabbos we say God sanctifies Shabbos. On Yom Tov we say God sanctifies Israel and time and the times. Shabbos, he doesn't sanctify us. So the Gemara says, because Shabbos is like he says here, Shabbos is a gift from heaven. It doesn't have to do with us. We don't initiate it. Rosh is the holiness that's created by human beings. Yisrael inu It's the Kayach, the power of Bezdin, that has the ability, the divine gift, to be able to sanctify time and say, this is the first day of the month, and as a result of this, Ten days later will be Yom Kippur. But they may also do it differently. They may say, no, Rish Chodesh is being pushed off a day. So Yom Kippur is a day later. Where do we get this power to confer holiness on time? Where do we get the power that this is Yom Kippur? And if you eat on this day, it has cataclysmic consequences. Where do we come to have that power? That's why we say, Mekadosh Yisrael v'hazman. God sanctifies Yisrael that we could sanctify time. Now we'll understand what he's saying. Shabbos, Hester. On Shabbos, there's no concealment of nature, like we say in the Kegavna, which is a section of Zohar. You know, when the davening of Friday night, there's this Nusach Ashkenaz, before Baruchu, they go through the chapter, what are the substances that you could use to light Shabbos candles? But in Nusach Svard, Nusach Harizal, and many others, instead, we say a section of Zoya known as Kegavna. Zoya Chelek based of Kuflamare. Kegavna dinun misyachadin liyela biyechad. It's a very, very potent and powerful section of Zoya that describes what happens on Friday evening in all of the universes, including in our world. There's an expression there in the second part, Raza de Shabbos. Raza de Shabbos, e Shabbos de Sechadas, Beraza de Echad. Tzloise de Male Shabbata de Sechadas, Kursaya Kira Kadisha, Beraza de Echad. Kad Ail Shabbata e Spirashas Mino. And the expression there is, Vachol Dinin Misabrin Mino. All of the stern judgments, all of toxic energy, Misabrin, is removed. From Shabbos, and she remains completely submerged in the oneness of the divine radiance. As the Zoyer continues to describe, which we say every Friday night in that section known as Kegavna. That's what he says. The concealments of nature are removed from Shabbos. Those who have sensitive eyes what we call spiritually microscopic eyes, those who have antennas, can detect on Shabbos. Shabbos is a day when the veil of nature does not eclipse the inner flow of energy. So it's a day of Chiddush. But this is a gift from heaven. Of course, does everybody feel this on Shabbos? Not everybody feels it on Shabbos. Everybody would feel it on Shabbos. They would naturally and organically be aligned with this. But this is the real energy of Shabbos. And I, many of us do, many, many people do feel something. You feel something on Shabbos. Now you could say it's just culture, you know, you grew up with it and, and uh, your mother was calmer on Shabbos, hopefully, and your father was a little calmer on Shabbos and there was better food and there was once a week you can eat ice cream and eat snacks. So therefore, culturally, our brain becomes used to that Shabbos is a special day and a special energy. 
Because I'm not now here to argue this point. Uh, you know, how do you know the difference between culture, <laughs> your cultural upbringing and what's authentic? But this Fasemis here obviously is based on this essential idea that Shabbos is true, obviously, and that means the concealment of Shabbos. On Shabbos, there's no concealment. Rishchaydish is different. Rishchaydish gambi Come say hi to everybody. You want to come say hi to everybody? Rishchaydish represents the ability to bring in the light of newness even into the weekdays. Rishchaydish is not Shabbos. Rishchaydish could be Shabbos, but Rishchaydish is a weekday. It's a regular mundane day. In the Beis HaMikdash, it was a special day. They would bring karbonas. We say halal on Rish Chodesh. We don't say tachin on Rish Chodesh. There's special things we say on Rish Chodesh. There's customs for Rish Chodesh. But generally, it's Yemei Achal. It doesn't have all the prohibitions against labor like Shabbos. That's the Chiddush of Rish Chodesh. Shabbos is an island in time. Shabbos is a transcendental oasis. Shabbos is like the day the Medrash says, Ba Shabbos Ba Menucha. Shabbos is like the day within time where God says, you can, go, you can transcend time. In other words, the divine energy is more apparent, it's more manifest in the workings of the world, and therefore, there is the Chiddush, there is the newness of Shabbos. Rish Chodesh is the idea to be able to live with this newness in the mundane realities and the daily grind of our days of choyl, our days of mundaneness, our days, I don't want to say of profanity, but our regular days. And this depends on the Jew. Who creates Rishchidosh? Not heaven, earth. Heaven can't create Rishchidosh. Every single month, it was earth. It was the Jewish Sanhedrin, the great sages and scholars who were completely dedicated to Torah, who had to create Rishchidosh. Kamesh HaKasav on this, the Pesach says in Tehillim, Lakel Goymer Alai. God completes and affirms my work. So the Medrash says on this, in this parashish, Mois Rabbah, that's what he's probably referring to, that Malachim asks Hashem, when is Yom Kippur? When is Pesach? When is Shavuos? When is Sukkot? When is Hanukkah? When is Purim? When is Lag Boimer? You can mention any day of the month. And you know what Hashem says? How am I supposed to know? Well, it's not exactly his words. He says, Boy, Nelech, Eitzel, Bezdin, Shalmata. Let's go eavesdrop into what's happening in the Beis Medrash, in the Yeshiva, in the Sanhedrin, in Yavna. Let's hear, and then we'll know when Yom Kippur is. We'll know when Sukkot is. Say hi to everybody. Wave. <laughs> and we'll know when Yom Tif is. You hear? Lokel Goimre, like God completes what I do. I do the work, and Hashem says, Of course they did. If they said it's Rishchidish, they, they got the power, not me. Heaven can't decide Rishchidish. If a, if a great rabbi says, I had a prophetic vision, God told me today is Rishchidish, he's thrown out of the yeshiva. I don't mean physically, I mean it, it's completely inconsequential. Somebody says, Even a great sage, I had a vision that God wants today should be Rishchidish. It's irrelevant. There's a halachic process that Hashem gave the Jewish people by Yitzhiyah Shemesayim and and that becomes halacha. And that's the process. Now you might be asking me today, there's a calendar, everything is fixed. So on this, the Rambam explains, the Ramban explains, the Rishonim explains something fascinating. And that is the one who made the calendar, who was a man named Hillel Nesiyah. He was uh, from the dynasty of the, of, of, of the, of the Hillel's family. He lived in the 5th or in the 6th century. 
and he created the calendar that we use till today. And the reason for this is because the Jewish Supreme Court would be dissolved and we wouldn't be able to create Rosh Chodesh every month. So the, the Sanhedrin at the time sanctified every Rosh Chodesh till Mashiach comes. I want you to understand what this means. They sanctified, they established every Rosh Chodesh till Mashiach comes. We don't follow a fixed calendar. We follow the fact that they knew when Rosh Chodesh is based on the calendar because the processes of the witnesses and the Sanhedrin would not work anymore. And they sanctified every Rosh Chodesh. And Hashem agrees to that, Lakel Gaimer Eli. And that's why we could say, today is Yom Kippur. Why is today Yom Kippur? Because 10 days ago was Rosh Chodesh. Maybe a day before was Rosh Chodesh and Yom Kippur was yesterday. Maybe. The answer is, it's the Jewish people, Mekadesh Yisrael, who sanctified. So the Fasemba says, this is a different Chiddush. This Shabbos, we have a Chol Dinim Esabrim, Shabbos is Milamailam Atava. The Chiddush of Rosh Chodesh is, that within the day, Today, grind, you can always live with newness. This will give us a deep understanding into what Rashi says. Ube Medrash, he quotes from the Medrash. Fascinating story. God tells Moshe, means he's pointing to the new moon. What happened? Why is he pointing? He could just explain to him that with most Jewish laws... Hashem doesn't have to point to the physical object. Moshe knew the world. The answer is, Chazal tells us, Moshe could not figure out how this works. Niskasha Moshe had a tremendously difficult time in understanding the birthing of the new moon. What, what size it has to be in order to be able to make Rosh So Hashem pointed with his finger to the moon in the heavens, and he said, You see this moon? When you see this moon, you know this is the time for Rosh And then Rashi, in Parshas boy, asks the question, but I don't understand. We see clearly that Hashem used to communicate to Moshe during the day. So how can he point to the moon? You can't see the moon during the day. <laughs> Great question. So Rashi says, he told him this Parsha, Right before sunset. He showed him the moon as it was becoming dark. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes before sunset, you can already see the moon that's rising because even though the sun hasn't set yet, but it's about to get dark. So that's when he showed him the moon. So it's not a contradiction. This is what Rashi says in Parshas Boy. It's all based on the Medrash Tanchuma Parshas Shmini and Bamid Baraba Parsha Tesvav. What's the meaning of this? What does all of this mean? Why did Moshe have such a difficulty with understanding how Rish Chodesh works? Yeah, astronomy is complicated, it's complex. But why was Moshe uniquely perturbed by this? So you'll say, well, he didn't know what the moon has to look like in order to be at Makadish. But the truth is, the moment you see the new moon, after the moon was eclipsed for a day or two at the end of the month, because what happens is the moon orbits... And at some point, the moon waxes, of course, and then the moon wanes, it becomes smaller and smaller. And then, when there's the perfect juncture between the sun and the moon and the earth, we can't see the moon at all, because the half a ball of the moon is facing the sun, and therefore it's reflecting the light of the sun, but it's completely turned away from us, and therefore we don't see anything. When the moon, that's called the Mailad Halavana, that's called in Jewish law, it's called the moment that the moment the moon is reborn. And then when the moon starts moving away a little bit, 
So now we could start seeing a little tiny sliver, and as it orbits, it can, it, its orbit continues, and it grow, it, it moves further and further from the sun. The more we can see the reflection of the sun, of the moon, and that's the process that occurs every single month. So the moment witnesses or Moshe Rabbeinu could see a new moon, even though it's a little sliver, the little tiny crescent of the moon is good for Kedush HaChadosh. What was the great difficulty that Moshe could not fathom and Hashem had to point and we say it couldn't happen during the day. It had to happen at night, but he didn't speak to him at night. So it happened right before night as it was getting dark. What's the meaning of this? Says this Fasem is this has to all be understood as a metaphoric allegorical message. The Gemara tells us in Yevamas Daf Memtes the difference of Moshe and other prophets. Moshe represents an Aspaklaria Denara. Aspaklaria Denara means it would be like a uh, transparent, transparent prism through which everything becomes clear. It's like when you're looking outside through an open window or even through the glass and everything is very clear. No image, no vision is eclipsed. Your vision is 2020, and that which you have access to, you have direct access to. This is called Aspaklaria Denara. His vision was filled of light, of radiance. Pchinis Shabbos. This is what Shabbos. Vizel Yismach Moshe B'Matnas Chalka. It's so brief. Like you have every word here, you have to figure out what he's saying. On Shabbos, it's a very interesting thing. You ever notice, you know, we, we, uh, we, we sometimes grow up with things and we fail to notice the intricate structures. What's the structure of the davening of Shabbos? Friday night, we've, we always do the first three blessings are identical. Then Friday night, we start off, You sanctify the seventh day for your name. Okay, makes sense. Shabbos morning, right after Atta Kaddish, what do we say? Baruch Hashem HaKel HaKaddish. What, what should we speak about now? Shabbos, right? Yismach Moshe B'Matnas Chalka. Moshe rejoices with his gift. You know why? Because you called him a faithful servant. And then you placed a crown of glory on his head when he stood on Mount Sinai and you gave him two tablets. Excuse me. I thought it was Shabbos. I'm praying to God. I'm talking about Shabbos. Why are we now suddenly talking about Moshe Rabbeinu with a crown, with an Eved Nehman? Then you go to Musaf. After Atakadish, what do you say? Tikanta Shabbos. Again, Shabbos. I think it makes sense. Mincha, Ata Echad, Veshimcha Echad, Micham Prisrog Echad Baritz. What's the connection with Shabbos? But the truth is, each one of these passages captures the energy of Shabbos and that particular tefillah of Shabbos. Says the Sfasem is Moshe represents Shabbos. Shabbos does not, we also know where did Shabbos come to the Jewish people from? You know the story. The Medrash says that, that uh, Moshe was brilliant and he told Parai that if you want the slaves to work well, you need to give them a day of rest. And he got for them Shabbos. This is in Egypt, before the Jews knew about Shabbos. So he got them the day of Shabbos. Later when Hashem gave the Jews the gift of Shabbos. He gave the mitzvah of Shabbos, which was in Moran, of course, later at Mount Sinai. So Yismach Moshe, Moshe rejoiced. This was his idea in Egypt, and he realized that God affirmed it, and he gave the Jewish people Shabbos. Why is Moshe the one who gives them Shabbos? Because Moshe is Shabbos. 
Moshe lives in Chiddush. Moshe lives in Nunes. Moshe lives above the sun, not under the sun. Moshe's posture, his posture is always aligned with infinity. Shabbos, there's no concealment. So how is Moshe supposed to understand Rishchidosh? That's not Moshe. Niskasha Moshe. Not Moshe couldn't understand astronomy. <laughs> he couldn't understand Rambam Hilchas Kiddush HaChidosh. Yeah, I, I have a hard time with Rambam Hilchas Kiddush HaChidosh. But Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu knew astronomy. Avram Avinu knew astronomy. This, this was the science that created the notion of monotheism. When he saw the, the intricate relationships of everything existing in our planet and in the cosmos. You know, how, how it's all intricately designed and working together with the sun and the moon, and the sunset and sunrise and moonrise and moonset. So the Tzazama says, Niskasha Moshe Moshe had a hard time understanding this whole concept that you need the day to create Chiddush, that you need the day to create Rishchidosh, because in the world where there's no concealment, everything is always new. He says, Avobchines, Chaydish is Bederich Kanal. Chaydish, you need a Muna. He said, How do you create a Chaydish as Alechem? You have to have the Muna. You have to have the awareness that everything is ultimately divine, and therefore you can have a newness in it. That's not, that's, that, that's Rish Chaydish. Shabbos is a gift from heaven that Moshe is in touch with. Yismach Moshe Bemanas Chalkai. Rish Chaydish, Moshe has a hard time with. Vizehu. So he had to take Moshe into a place of darkness, twilight zone. Now Moshe can't really go into the place of darkness. Why? Because Moshe is full of light. The Gemara says, Basra, the face of Moshe is like the face of the sun, the face of Joshua, Yeshua is the face of the moon. Rishchidosh is a product of the moon, not of the sun. Moshe is the face of the sun. Sun doesn't go through Rishchidosh. Sun doesn't wax and the sun doesn't wane. The sun represents stability, consistency. The sun is perpetual. The sun doesn't go through moods. The sun doesn't get stuck. The sun doesn't go into a depression. The Lubavitcher was once talking about the moon, the Shchaydish, I was working. So he was describing that the moon represents a person. Goes up, and then this, the moon is shining in the 15th night of the month, and then you start going down. And then he says, And then for two days, he's completely in quarantine, on lockdown, he disappears. He disappeared from the planet, he disappeared from the cosmos. He's in a complete depression. But he comes back. <laughs> He had a bad day, but he comes back. His chachos, chiddush. Moshe's pnei chama. Moshe doesn't have this. In fact, Arizal says Moshe didn't go into Eretz because Eretz is the face of the moon, and Moshe is the face of the sun. And the sun does not want to embarrass the moon. If the sun would come out in the middle of the night when the moon would cast, was casting its radiant glow on Earth, what would happen? The moon's light would become irrelevant. Arizal, that's why Moshe didn't go into Eretz The sun doesn't want to embarrass the moon. Mashiach comes, it says the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun. Moshe could come into Eretz Incredible teaching. All connected. You see how it's all connected? Svasemes doesn't make all these connections, but I think they're very appropriate. 
Pnei Moshe Kepnei Chama. Moshe can't understand this whole concept. He doesn't live in the process of the moon. Yeshua does, not Moshe. I once gave a shir in Parshas Vayelech the yeshiva, on the yeshiva.net that Moshe at the end of his life was taken over by jealousy of Yeshua. And then he says, better to die a thousand times than to be jealous once. And we explained Moshe's jealous of Yeshua, what happened? So we gave them a whole shir that jealousy is a product of the moon, not of the sun. The moon can be jealous of the sun, the sun can be jealous of the moon. When Moshe starts experiencing this quality, he knows that it's already the era of Yeshua. It's the face of the moon, it's not the face of the sun. Very, very powerful idea. This whole shtickle of Reb Nachman of Breslov on this also, where jealousy comes from. Jealousy comes from want, from lacking. The moon can be jealous, and the moon was jealous. The Gemara in Chul and Samach tells us about the whole story of the jealousy of the moon, which is the source of Rish Chodesh. That's why the moon diminished itself and goes through this whole process. So Moshe can't understand it, I'm sorry. God says, Moshe, you're the Jewish leader, you have to understand it. So he takes Moshe into a place of darkness, Ben Ashmoshes, twilight zone, because he only communicates to Moshe during the day, because by Moshe, everything is day. He goes into a place of twilight Moshe, we're learning now in the Maimur of Torah, or Parsha's boy, right? We're going to continue tomorrow morning. Why Moshe did not give us the name Tzvois? All the names of Hashem Moshe gave us, besides the name Tzvois. Chana gave us the name Tzvois. And what do we explain? All the names represent Atzilis. Tzvois represents B'yitzir Asiyah. Moshe can't give that name. Moshe is in the world of oneness. In the world of oneness, there's always Chiddush. Infinity is never old, it's never stale. That's the, the connection with the Mayim and Parshish boy. On the Pasuk, Vahi Betzim Isaiah, Yatsu called Tzivais Hashem. Moshe doesn't give the name Tzvais. Chana is the first one to give Hashem the name Tzvais. And then her son Shmuel calls Hashem Tzvais. And then the later prophets do it frequently. Hashem Melechim Tzivais. All connected to the same theme. So Hashem has to take Moshe into a space, into a zone of semi darkness. Benash Moshe's Im Chashecha says, Moshe. You see, life sometimes gets dark. And you know what happens when life gets dark? You have to know that there's always an opportunity for Chiddush. When life gets dark and life gets challenging and life gets stuck, you feel you're stuck. And you're in a place of concealment and you're confused and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed. And you don't know where to go from here. And all the old stuff are coming up and you're feeling depressed and despondent. And that's the moment you have to be able to expand your spiritual and psychological posture. You have to be able to align it with Amuna. To be able to know that God is here right now. Infinity is here right now. And there's a new way to look at it. And there's new possibilities and there's new energies. And you can experience rebirth. You're never stuck. It's sometimes hard. It's painful. And it comes at a moment of darkness. We see the moon at night. This is a gift that when it's dark, you should be able to renew yourself. You don't need the moon during the day. You need the moon during the night. You probably know the story of Chelem. And the Pesach continues, What's the Hazeh? He pointed to the moon. But the Svasema says, To notify him that Hashem and his name are one. 
That's Hachodesh Hazelacha. I have to tell you this line, I do not understand what this Fasemis is trying to say. There's some, some rem as he's seeing in the word Hazeh. And I see I have here a Svasemis with footnotes where they try to give references and, ex- and some sources, but I see uh, the editor here also didn't write anything. So I just don't understand what this line means. What's the connection of Hazeh to Hashem Echadosh Mayechad? Achadosh Hazeh Lechem. Achadosh Hazeh. Zeh is Begematria Yud Beis, that says in Sfarim. Hazeh is another five. Okay. Ule Pa'amim, if somebody understands Pshat, please email me or write it in the comments on the yeshiva.net on this shir. I would appreciate it very much because I don't know what this line means. Ule Pa'amim, Tzarech Li is Derech Emun Sometimes you just need the Emunah, you need the faith. Sometimes I can't see it. I'm in darkness. I can't see it. I'm not in a state of Shabbos. I'm in a state. Of, I'm in a darker state. But there's Rishchidosh. That's the first mitzvah that God gives the Jewish people when they're still in Egypt. You want to be redeemed physically? First, you have to learn what redemption is spiritually. What does it mean to be in a gula consciousness? Hachidosh hazelachem. You're not living on the paray. You're not a slave. The power of his chachos belongs to you because you're living within an infinite flow of energy that's passing through you. And then every moment is an opportunity for newness. New perspectives, new potentials, new possibilities, new dreams, new energies. I'm only stuck as long as I tell myself I'm stuck. As long as the story in my brain tells me that I'm stuck. But if I can open myself up through a muna to a new reality, to the real reality, which flows in the world, especially on Shabbos and on Rishchidosh. But Rishchidosh is just a paradigm for the whole month. It's not only about Rishchidosh. Rishchidosh is the paradigm. Rishchidosh means the head of the month. The head doesn't only live in the head. The brain is the central nervous system that includes and invigorates the whole body. So Rishchidosh is connected to the whole month. But when that happens, I could live in the world of Chidosh. Okay, I thought we'll be able to get to the second piece, but... We'll leave it with this. I'm going to take a few questions. Okay, question number one. You explained that the Baal Shem Tev teaches that every millisecond the world is created anew. I heard that the Raghachava Gaon said this as well. Is that the case? I don't know. It was said both that every millisecond the world is created anew and also that it's a daily process every 24 hours. The pot assumes a different status after 24 hours. Which is it? Is the world recreated every millisecond? Or is the world recreated daily? So I explained in the class, if you'll, if you'll, uh, if you'll replay it, I explained that there is, a, just like I'll explain it to you, Rosh Hashanah, it says, there's a life force that comes into the world, it's for the whole year. That's why it's called the head of the year. But the head of the year is like the brain. The brain is not enough. The brain now, through the nervous system, has to transmit the energy and the messages to all the limbs and the organs of the body. So, Rosh Hashanah, it's a collective energy that's then branched out throughout the days of the day. The same is true every month, Rosh Chodesh. 
The same is true every week, Shabbos, and the same is true every day with the 24 hours. But then there is the Chiddush of every single moment, which is more specifically detailed about that millisecond. It also says Moshe couldn't understand how to build the Menorah. Is there a connection? It also says that he didn't understand about the Shratzim. Hashem had to show them Zoysachaya. He had to show them which animals you can eat, which animals you can't eat, which fish are kosher, which the insects are not kosher, the birds, etc. Those are three things it says that Moshe had a difficulty with. Yes, there's a mimer from the Tzamech Tzedek in Eratayr explaining why these three things, but it's beyond the realm of this class. Bezer Hashem will get to it one day. What you said is really a great gift. That every moment, every second is a gift. That's why it's called the present. It's a present. The problem is, how can I access this? How can I really live with this? How can I internalize this message? Hearing the words is one thing. But allowing it to be integrated in my system is not easy. Do you do this? Can you do this? Can you teach us how to do this? I think this is part of Avaidas Hashem. This is what it means to serve Hashem. To serve Hashem means to live with this, I'm using this word today, with this posture of self. I think this is one of the great messages of what it means to serve God. To serve God means that you're never a slave, right? I find it interesting. Usually it sounds like Avaidas Hashem means that you're a slave, what he's telling us here is Avedis Hashem means that you're never a slave. A slave is repeating the same story again and again. A slave is subjugated to the circumstances. A slave lives in a confined space. Avedis Hashem really means that you redefine yourself and see yourself from the vantage point and the perspective of infinity and therefore there's always something new, there's always something fresh, there's always something invigorated. And that's why people who live with Avaidus Hashem are never bored, not with themselves and not with others and not with life. You want to know if I do this, I sometimes try to do it, am I always successful? I'm not always successful, no. The reason he says, maybe he means, zekeli v'anveyu. Zekeli vanveyu, this is my God, and I will beautify him. So Achaydesh Hazeh is Zekeli vanveyu. But he says that it teaches us Hashem Echad Echad. So I'm not sure what the connection to Zekeli vanveyu, and here it's also Hazeh. Wasn't the concept of Shabbos known to Adam and passed down through the generations, surely kept at least by some people? Yeah, and it says that the Avais, the patriarchs and the matriarchs observed the whole Torah before it was given. But collectively, the Jewish people were not observing Shabbos until a later stage. It says that the mitzvah of Shabbos was given to them in the place of Marah. That's only in Parshas B'Shalach. But yet, Moshe Rabbeinu convinced Parai to be able to give them a day of rest, which was an amazing accomplishment. This was so beautiful and so powerful and so inspiring, amazing, insightful. It needs to be absorbed and sheared. How do I absorb this and how do I share this? <laughs> well, it always begins with learning and internalizing and then practicing.
really exercising this ability and trying to live life from this perspective to give a practical exercise. I can give you a practical exercise. Let's say today you get into a situation and somebody makes a comment to you that triggers something very uncomfortable in you. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe a child, maybe a a friend, maybe a WhatsApp, an email, a telephone call, person-to-person conversation, maybe a sibling, a family member. And you'll see right away, if you follow your thought patterns, that it's bringing up old stories about them and your relationship with them. And you're right away in a negative, very pessimistic mode. Here he goes again, here she goes again. They're so selfish, they're so clueless, they're so careless, they're so apathetic, they're so ambivalent, they're so spineless, they're so insecure, they're so narcissistic, they're so difficult, right? And this is miserable. And you really opened up a filing cabinet on them in the Google that exists in your brain, which is actually much more efficient than Google. And uh, you brought it all into the present moment and you're already responding from that place. But what if you actually did not attribute any story to any event, any old story to anything that's happening now? So you can observe your trigger, but then you say, this is a completely fresh moment. It's a new moment. I am new. He is new. She is new. I want to respond from my newness. And I'm going to respond from a completely new place. Try it out. And you'll see the consequences. When you live in newness, you live in a new world. When I live in an old world, I live in an old world. That was brilliant, no? (laughs) When I live in a new world, the world is actually new. And when I live in an old world, the world is new, but I can't see it. Because I'm refusing to see the newness in the world. So I impose an old model on a new world. In other words, I'm not living in the real world. I'm living in an old world because I am imposing that perspective on the world based on my own perceptions. But this, this, this is not just, this is the point. By Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, this is Shabbos. The Chiddush here is, HaChiddush HaZalachem. Even in Golos, you can introduce this reality. But it takes conscientious focus and attentiveness. It's really a very liberated place to be in, but I have to work on it. Why are the Jewish people then compared to the moon? The Gemara says in Sukkah, Yisrael, we fix our calendars based on the moon. We're compared to the moon. I think now we have the clear answer. Because one of the unique gifts of the Jewish people is that even in the darkest moments, we always live with chiddush, with ischachas, with the faith and the awareness that this is a new moment and we are not going to surrender to the darkness. And that's the uniqueness of the moon. The uniqueness of the moon is it rises and it falls, it waxes and it wanes, it disappears, but it never completely disappears. It always finds the courage to renew itself with even more vigor and more strength. And that's really the story of the Jewish people. I think, it's, I think the connection is now very, very clear. Another question. So the Svasema says, it's Hashem Echad Ushmay Echad. Because Hashem was telling Moshe, not only is this the image of a new moon that establishes the new month, 
But it's this new moon of this month that is connected to Hashem's name and essence, which is one. There's, opinion, there's an opinion that the world was created in Nisan, Rabbi Yeshua, Rosh Hashanah Daf Aleph. Perhaps for that reason, the month of Nisan, the month of creation, according to that opinion, and the fact of creation shows that Hashem is one and His name is one. What you're saying, I also understand to be true when it comes to changes and advances in Avodah Hashem. One has to continuously recalculate their abilities like the story of the baby elephant. I don't know the story of the baby elephant. Maybe you could remind me the story. But it's certainly true in Avodah Hashem. What was my Avodah Hashem yesterday may not be my Avodah Hashem today. And it may not be my Avodah Hashem tomorrow. Every moment there's the question of what Hashem wants for me right now. I may be in the middle of something and I have one trajectory of how my service of God is supposed to look like. But then something comes up and at this moment my avoid changes. It's a different experience. And I have to have that flexibility to be able to go out of getting stuck in my religious comfort zone. Sometimes it's very hard for us if my conception of Avaidas Hashem is this, and it becomes locked into a fixed model of finiteness. Part of Avaidas Hashem is to be pliable, to be flexible, not to get stuck, to realize that there is a Chiddush. Of course, there's things that we do every single day. We say Kriyashma every day, and we daven every day, and there's Shachris, and there's Mincha, and there's Mayriv, and there's the mitzvahs we do every day or every week. But within the lives of the Jew, there are so many moments where there are different opportunities and different missions and different journeys and different responsibilities. Absolutely. There's a famous word, I think, of Reb Simcha Binam of Pshischa. Loisasun kein l'ashem Don't build a relationship with God that becomes kein. It becomes absolutely fixed and it's never subject to any re-evaluation. Because sometimes it seems very religious but it becomes a form of religious paralysis, of smugness, of complacency. This is what I do. This is how I go. This is how my life is working. I'm going on this highway. The problem is this highway is ending up in the river. So sometimes, you know, people become uh, stubborn about their postures in Avodah Hashem, and essentially it's going to take them to the wrong places, even if they have good intentions. I really have to be able to open myself up to the infinite flow of God and ask, what does Hashem want from me at this moment? I wish you all a beautiful day, a meaningful day. See you tomorrow morning. And Hatzlacha, Bracha and Hatzlacha to you, all of you. And may we all be able to uh, create a new day. Create a new day. You're finishing this class now. It's a new day. It's a new life. It's a new reality. It's a new world. Fresh people live with freshness. What does it mean to be in the space of the divine? I'm always open to newness. Open to newness. Yes. Yes. So you know what it means to be to be in the moment? You know what it means? To be fully in the present moment. Not to attach anything from the past to the present moment. That's big. Thank you.
you. You have to be, you have to be in complete awareness, complete awareness of the self and of the infinity of the self. In other words, I have to not allow anything else to capture and abduct my mind. I have to be completely open to the true energy of the present moment and with compassion help myself extricate myself from the toxic thoughts that want to take me away from the present moment. And to be really present with life, with people, with myself, with others. It's very, very powerful. It's the beginning of redemption. (laughs) Question. What if I have a lot of pain about something? How can I uh, experience this? That's where the Svasemis finishes. This is where Amuna comes in. It's not always, you know, jolly and easy, and it's such a beautiful new moment. There may be a lot of pain, and a person has to be able to acknowledge the pain and, and feel the pain. But in the pain itself, be completely present. Be completely present to your experience, to what's being communicated to you by God at this very moment. And that itself helps us actually be renewed in this very moment. In other words, when there's a moment of pain, I don't have to escape it. I don't have to run away from it. I don't have to repress it. I can actually be fully, fully present in this moment and realize this is this is the energy that's flowing through me now. I can, I can let it pass through me and I can let it wash over me and I can let it flood me with its authenticity and its realness. I don't have to be afraid to touch its texture, to really, to really experience, to really feel it. And that's part of, of, of being really present in this very moment. I don't have to run away from anything. I don't, I don't have to avoid. I'm not busy avoiding. I'm not busy numbing myself to things. I let it come up. I let it come up. And I know that even if I don't understand it, deep down, the essence of it all is divine energy that's flowing through me. Now, I know it's much easier said than done. You can't really teach this with words. This is, this is a very, very deep experience that we each have to find in ourselves. And that's part of the promise. This is something that you can do and you can figure out it belongs to you as it belongs to me. I guess I'm going to wish you to have a new day and a new week and a new month and a new year and a new life. I guess Moshe was capable of making Shechianu every moment. Shechianu v'kimanu v'giyanu l'zman hazeh. Usually we only make Shechianu build a new home, a new fruit, a new garment, a new yomtif, a new mitzvah. But based on this, Moshe could make Shechianu v'kimanu v'giyanu l'zman hazeh. Hazeh. Here again we have hazeh. Ha'chaydish hazeh l'chem. L'zman hazeh. This moment. Bayamim ahem. Bizman Hazah. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.